This is top 10 topic number three, confidence intervals. Um, confidence interval for the mean and a confidence interval for the proportion. And we'll start on the main BUS302 lab webpage. Go to exam review, click on statistics, click on statistics review, and we'll download and pull up the PowerPoint presentation. And this presentation starts on slide 34. Um, but you know what? Rather than starting exactly on 34, I'm going to start on, a, on slide 49 just for a moment. And then we'll go back to 34. Uh, so, so we can talk a little bit about a confidence interval or a point, the difference between point estimates and interval estimates. So a point estimate, that's the first bullet here on slide 49, is a statistic or a single number. Uh, bullet point number two, examples, a sample mean or a sample proportion. There's others, others as well. Number three, each sample gives a different point estimate, so stop for a moment. Remember, you're pulling a sample from a population, pulling a smaller sample from a much larger population. Each time you draw a sample and you compute, for example, the sample mean, the sample mean is not likely to be exactly the same number for each sample. It's going to be a little bit different, probably, right? Um, will it be very far? Will the sample means be very far away from each other? Probably not. They'll probably be fairly close to each other. But in any case, when we're asked to report the sample mean, what we'd really like to do is report the interval estimate rather than a point estimate. Okay, because each sample gives a different point estimate. So bullet point number four, an interval estimate is a range of values. Rather than just listing all the numbers, there's a specific formula for it. Okay, for example, the population mean is equal to the sample mean plus the error. So the population mean is equal to the sample mean, a single statistic, plus or minus the error. Once we add the plus or minus the error, we turn a single statistic into, excuse me, we turn a point estimate into an interval estimate. And that gives more information about our particular data. It's clearer to where the population, it's a, it's a clearer range as to where the population mean will actually fall. Okay, so the last bullet is to generalize that sentence. A parameter, that is the population parameter, is equal to a statistic, that is the sample statistic, plus or minus an error. And that helps turn a point estimate into an interval estimate, which gives more information. Okay, about, and it gives us um, a better confidence that the that if we were to take a number of samples, say 95 samples, um, or 100 samples, 95% of the time, uh, the the true population mean would be in that interval. So let's go back to slide number 34, and then we'll work our way forward. So confidence intervals. Slide number 35, here's a formal definition. A confidence interval is a range of values within, the, within which the population parameter is expected to occur. So it's a range, it's an interval estimate rather than a point estimate. Okay, factors for the confidence interval. The factors that determine the width of the confidence interval are one, the sample size, also known as n, or the number of observations. Two, the variability in the population, usually estimated by the standard deviation. And three, the desired level of confidence, say, 95% or something like that. Okay, slide number 37. Let's compute the confidence interval for the mean. We'll do the proportion later on. 
we use the normal distribution, which is the z table. If the population, if we know the population standard deviation, which is lo lowercase sigma, if that's known, usually it's not known, but if it's known in the problem, it'll tell you the word. The problem will tell you. And either it's drawn from a normal population, in other words, the sample is drawn from a population that's approximately normally distributed. That's usually what the sentence will be. And the sample size is greater than or equal to 30. Okay? The sample size is lower than 30, and we don't know the po we don't know the population standard deviation. We have to use the t table, and we'll use that later on. And all it does is adjust the range of the interval. Okay? Because that's changing the statistic. That it's it's excuse me. It's changing uh, the error about the point estimate, about the, the statistic in the middle of the range. Okay, okay, slide 38. So here is the formula. Here's the formula for the confidence interval for the mean. If, if, if the sample is pulled from a normal distribution, in other words, we're using the z-table, then mu, which is the population mean, is equal to the sum of x divided by n, that would be the the uh, sample statistic, in this case the sample mean, plus or minus the error, the error is the z-value, times the uh, population standard deviation divided by the square root of n. And with that, um, you would get a range with the, the population mean in the middle. That's, a, that's the interval estimate. Remember, it's plus or minus here. So you, you'll get something to the left of the middle, something to the right, of the middle and that all of those all of that information together is the interval estimate rather than the, than the sample estimate uh, rather than a point estimate. Okay, next slide. P number 39. Okay? Now the tail is one half of 1 minus the confidence level. So if the confidence level is say 0.95, you subtract 1 from that, that would be 0.05 and we divide it in half. Why half? Because we're looking at both sides of the tail. We're excuse me, we're looking at both sides of the normal distribution. We want both tails in the distribution. Ignore bullet point number two for a second. Bullet point number three, this review uses the tail of the bell curve, the normal distribution. For example, at 95% confidence, the tail is 0.5 or one half of 1 minus 0.95. So 1 minus 0.95 is 0.05 one half of 0.05 is 0.025. Okay? So the and then we what we would do is look up in the z table for the z of 0.025 and that's equal to 1.96. Since there are no tables on the exam, if you have to look up something you'll be given it in the problem. Okay? So this means the z value in the table for p.025 and that's 1.96 for example. So, if we go back to the formula that we had before, if n is equal to, this is on slide 40, if n is equal to 49, uh, the sum of x is equal to 490, the population standard deviation is 2, and we're working at a 95% confidence level, then we have the population mean is equal to 490 divided by 49, which is 10, plus or minus 1.96, because that's the z value that we just found, looking it up, times 2, standard the population standard deviation, divided by the square root of n, 49, is equal to 490 divided by 49, which is 10, plus this these all 1.96 times 2 divided by square root of n, which is 0.56. 
Okay, so if we take 10 and we add 0.56, we get 10.56, that's the upper bound of the interval. And if we take 10 and we subtract 0.56, that's 9.44, and that's the lower bound of the confidence interval. Okay, and we think the population mean will be between these two. That's that an interval estimate is a better estimate than a point estimate. Okay. Okay, here's another example, slide 41. One of the SOM professors at CSUN wants to estimate the mean number of hours worked per week by students. A sample of 49 students showed a mean of 24 hours. It is assumed that the population standard deviation is 4 hours. What is the population mean? Okay. I mean, an easy answer to this question is the population mean is 24, the same as the sample mean. But that you don't know that for sure. There is no way to know that. Even if we took a whole lot of samples, we're still not absolutely sure about that. So what we really want is, uh, when, the, when the question says, what does the population mean? The best answer is not a single statistic, but rather a single a single statistic plus or minus an error. That changes it from a point estimate to an interval estimate, which provides more information to this SOM professor who wants this information. Okay? All right, slide 42. We're working at a 95% confidence interval for the population mean. Um, X bar, which is the sample mean, uh, plus or minus 1.96 divided by sigma divided by square root of n. That's the formula. So we plug in our numbers for this particular formula. 24 plus or minus 1.96, which is z value at 0 0.025, times 4, which is the population standard deviation, all given in the problem, divided by the square root of 49, all given in the problem. And that results in, an, in a formula, in an answer that's 24 plus or minus 1.12. So if we take 24 and we add 1.12, we end up with an upper bound of 25.12. If we take 24 and we subtract 1.12, we end up with 22.88, and that would be the lower bound of the confidence level. Uh, excuse me, of the confidence interval. So, And I'll just read the bottom part of 42. The confidence limits range from 22.88 to 25.12, we estimate with 90% confidence that the average number of hours worked per week by students lies between these two values. Actually, it's if you took 100 samples, 95% of the time, um, the true population mean would be within that range. Okay? Uh, 43, confidence interval for the mean, but we use a t-distribution. Okay? We... We use a t-distribution if, if, if the sample is drawn from a normal population, but the population standard deviation, lowercase sigma, is not known. Bullet point number two. If you're given the sample standard deviation s, use the t-table and just assume that it's a normal population. Okay? Um, and if it's one population, remember with a t-table you always have to calculate degrees of freedom, and degrees of freedom is equal to n minus 1, n is the number of observations. Okay, let's go to slide 44. Con here's, the, here's the formula, the algebraic formula, for the confidence interval for the mean using the t-distribution, and you'll see it's uh, very similar to the formula for the z. 
The first part's exactly the same. The only thing that changes is we use Z rather than T. We use T rather than Z. That's basically the only difference, and we use the sample standard deviation rather than the population standard deviation. Okay, so the formula is population mean mu is equal to the sum of x divided by n, that's the sample mean, plus or minus the t value for n minus 1, okay, that's the t for the degrees of freedom, t degrees of freedom is equal to n minus 1, number of observations minus 1, times the s, which is the sample standard deviation divided by the square root of n. Okay, um, slide 45 develop a confidence interval for a proportion. You use this bullet point number, the first bullet point here is uh, use if, 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 if use proportions if it's success or failure. Why? Because those are the only two options of the total. For example, other examples are defective and not defective, satisfactory or undersatisfactory. Here are a few more. Male, female, for example, those are dichotomous outcomes. Okay, uh, the normal uh, you can use the normal approximation to the binomial. Uh, that's okay if the number of items times the proportion is greater than five, and n times one minus pi here, pi is used as the proportion is greater than five. N is the sample size, and pi is the proportion is the population proportion. Uh, and you never use the t table if you're working with proportions. You only use the t table with means not with proportions. You use the binomial table um, if it's a proportion. Okay, um, let, excuse me, use the z-table if it's a proportion. I'm sorry about that. Okay, the formula is slightly different for a proportion. So let me show it to you here on slide 46. So go to the next slide. Population proportion, that's pi, is equal to the sample proportion, that's p here, plus or minus z, we looked that up in the table, times the square root of p times 1 minus p divided by n. So this part of the equation, the first part of the equation is similar in some ways, but the, the ending part of the equation is, is, is a little different. We look up a value in z, but what we multiply it against, in other words, the part of the formula related to the error is different for a proportion than it is for a mean. So for example, middle of page 40, of slide 46, eight defectives out of 100, so the probability is 8 over 100, which is 0.08. n is equal to 100, 95% confidence. So what we do need to do is we need to plug these values into the formula. 0.08, that's the, that, that is the number of, uh, that is the sample proportion. 8 defect is out of 100 is 0.08, plus or minus. Remember, it's always plus or minus because we want to build both sides of the interval. We want to change a point to an interval. So we want to go, we want to put a whole bunch of points within that interval on each side. So plus or minus, we look up the z value. Here, 95% confidence would be 1 half of 1 minus 95%. So that's 1 minus 95, 95% is 0.95. 1 minus 0.95 is 0.05 one half of 0.05 is 0.025 and if we look up the z table for 0.025 we find that that value is 1.96 and we multiply it times the rest of the formula which is p 0.08 times 1 minus p 1 minus 0.08 is 0.92 so 0.08 times 0.92 divided by n is equal to 0.08 plus or minus 0.05 
We do the same kinds of calculations to get an upper bound and lower bound. Just the formula is different for a proportion than it is for a mean. Okay. Slide 47. Here's another worked example. The more examples you see in, that you work, the better off you are. Confidence interval for a proportion. A sample of 500 people who own their home revealed that 175 of them plan to sell their home within the next five years. Develop a 98% confidence interval, so that's a little different than 95%, but develop a 98% confidence interval for the proportion of people who plan to sell their house within five years. Okay, so the first thing you have to compute is the uh, is the sample proportion. The sample proportion is the number of people who wish to sell their home, 175, divided by the sample 500, and that would be 0.35 or 35%. Now many, many problems would just leave it there, but not in statistics. We want to know more about the data. Okay, and that's a function of a college graduate, is to know more about the data than a typical person walking down the street. So we want an interval rather than a point estimate. Okay, so the interval here would be 0.35, sample proportion, plus or minus, why plus or minus? Because the interval's on both sides. The z value, in this particular case, it's 1 half minus 1 minus 0.98. Okay, which is a different number instead of 1.96. If we look it up in the table, it's 2.33 times the square root of p times 1 minus p, so that's 0.35 minus 1 times 1 minus 0.35, which is 0.65, all divided by 500. Take the square root of that, and you get 0.0497. So the confidence interval for this particular portion, proportion, excuse me, is uh, 0.35 plus or minus 0.0497. Okay, the interpretation of that is on slide 48 of, of what you're doing there. Okay, bullet point number one. If you're working at the 95% confidence, then 95% of all the confidence intervals that you compute will, com will include the true population parameter. Let me restate that. Uh, if you draw a sample from a population, you draw another sample, draw another sample, draw another sample, then 90... <laughs> Excuse me, I apologize. Then 95% of all the confidence intervals that you, that you develop will include the true population parameter. That's what 95% means. And an interesting... Uh, the second bullet is an interesting note on the terminology. Note, never use the term probability when estimating a parameter. Okay, this is actually a really nice little paragraph here. For example, do not say the probability that the population mean, the probability that the population mean is between 23 and 32 is 0.95 or 95%. Because why? Because a parameter, a population parameter is not a random variable. Random variables are for samples, not for populations population is fixed but unknown. Something we can't see. The sample is what we see. Okay? In fact, the population mean is fixed but an unknown quantity. That's just restating what I just said. So don't use the word probability when talking about population parameters. Okay, slide 49 is just the same things that we talked about at the, um, the, in the very first part of this lecture, which is instead of using point estimates, we want to give an interval estimate. That's called a confidence interval. I won't go through that again. 
And the very last slide is, uh, or not uh, the next to the last slide is the width of the interval. You might ask, how wide is the interval going to be? Okay, here's a couple of uh, bullet points about that. For example, a sample mean of 23, and the error is 3. The point, a point estimate would be 23. You could just answer a question by giving a point estimate 23. Bullet point number 3 is the interval estimate is really 23 plus or minus the error, 23 plus or minus 3. So 23 plus 3 is 26, that's the upper bound. 23 minus 3 is 20, which is the lower bound. Okay. Um, the width of the interval is 26 minus 20, or 6. 6 is twice the, the error there, the error, two, 3 times 2. And the last bullet is a wide interval. If you have a very wide interval, the point estimate is unreliable because you don't know exactly where it's going to be in there. What you want is narrow intervals. Let me talk a little bit more about that. That's on slide 51. You end up with a wide confidence interval if, one, you have a relatively small sample size. Increasing the sample size is usually a good idea in, most ca in almost all cases. But if you have a relatively small sample size, you're going to end up with a wide confidence interval, which means that your results are less reliable than you would like. Two, you, or you have a large standard deviation. In other words, there's a large variation among the data, so it's difficult to be able to sell, say where all the points are. Or three, you have a very high confidence level. For example, 99% confidence. In, uh, for example, a 99% confidence interval is wider than a 95% confidence interval. And last point, if you want a narrow confidence interval, you need a large sample size, not a small sample size, or a small or relatively small standard deviation, if possible, or choose a lower confidence level, like 95%, as opposed to 99%. Okay, and that's confidence intervals. Okay.